Welcome to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs Podcast. My name is Fergal Byrne. Every week, I talk to inspiring social entrepreneurs and changemakers dedicated to building a better world. Here, they tell their stories, the highs and the lows, and share what they have learned to help other social entrepreneurs and changemakers on their journeys. Bhoongudu assess in any plot of land if there is an op- chances of inundation what is the amount of inundation that is what is the water volume is coming from which angle what is the quality what is the impurities how many days what is the slope and contour etc etc that's different variables for that thing based upon that assessment we understand how much water we can store and then we go to the geophysical assessment of the soil to identify below the soil up to a depth of about 300 meter what are the different location what are the different zones where we can store the excess runoff water one bongru can actually generate 80 to 100 man days in the time of erection and the whole process post erection and post execution every bongru caters 22 of land every year without any further cost which can ensure at least 10 farming families lifelong food security and lifelong livelihood that means in indian context nearly 60 people to 70 people's benefit i'm very pleased today to introduce biplab ketan paul paul is founder of nairita services which has developed an innovative water management system for farmers facing both drought and flooding situations. Paul together with his wife Trupti Jane has spent some 17 years developing and improving the Bungru system, a unique irrigation system based on rainwater harvesting, which now benefits some 100,000 farmers in India. Paul has won multiple awards for his work including the Millennium Alliance Award for Global Impact, the India Innovation Growth Award, and he's an Ashoka Fellow. Poptech has been catalyzing social impact for two decades via its renowned fellows program, incubated initiatives, thought-provoking salons and conferences. The Poptech 2017 conference takes place October 19th to 21st. You can book tickets now and find out more information at poptech.org. So thank you very much Paul for taking the time to speak to inspiring social entrepreneurs today. Thank you. It's my privilege. So tell me a little bit about what you do tell me a little bit about some of the the water challenges that the communities in India face that you work with and and a little bit about the technology or the idea about how you help um i i i was born in bengal adjacent to bangladesh and currently uh, i am headquartered in gujarat bordering pakistan so from east that is bengal is the eastern part of india and gujarat is the western most part of india so we are working from east to west and north to south in india so what we do we are actually helping poor farmers especially ultra poor farmers and with this focus on the omen small holders to ensure their food security and guarantee their agriculture income increment within fast 3 months and how do we do it we do it through our innovation 
bhungru and then we also enable community to learn it and co-create it through their local material local skill and local knowledge so this is our services right. your other question regarding sorry yes no absolutely and so what's the underlying technology here um and, and, and maybe also the problem because i i, I know you, you you you're focused on the extreme water conditions that mean that there's never really uh in in some areas about proper water supply either too much or too little <laughs> yeah uh it's very interesting that in india water is considered as life jolly jibon if you, there is a proverb in bengali which says jol e jibon the jol means water jibon means life so water is life but if you go farther and see the different different variations of the water it is very interesting in summer in india across all the states you can see for 8 months there is a there is a severe crisis of no water people fight against each other farmer has to stop the cultivation government has to run the water field or uh, trains to supply water all the dams are dry people are crying government has to relief etc 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 and then just after the summer in the monsoon period within 20 days there's a havoc rain everything is inundated people lose the animals people they lost their crop standing crop in the monsoon they are losing their assets and government has to pay again the relief for the flood control or the inundation or the other losses so within a one year period especially within a eight months period you are seeing two dramatical opposite features of the water or the mother nature one excess water in monsoon inundating everything losing all the opportunities for the community and then no water in summer losing or pushing community in the verge of suiciding there's so many farmers suiciding taking place in india due to crop loss and there is no irrigation so these two dramatical situation are actually an opportunity that we identified that in the monsoon when there is a heavy downpour for a shorter period we cannot that water goes up to the soil erosion but if we can store that water and give back that water when there is no water in summer then eureka you can own the match that is the thing we have done we try to maximize the storage of the excess water in monsoon or the rainy period and give it back when there is no water in drought that is in the summer and there we do the whole process through our innovation called bhungru which is the world bank development marketplace awarded innovation right so how hard is this to do and uh presumably there are various uh, other solutions or people are looking at this problem and, and what is the distinctive about your approach paul there are various distinction um first distinction is that we are following mahatma gandhi's principle of antardaya which is the biggest biggest important factor we are not expecting that we are going to make huge money from the innovation we are looking for impact as we are looking for a huge huge impact and that is number one where we are different from others number one number two we are also looking for democratizing or making 
people to learn the technology own it and then co-create it rather than keeping it under patented under one or two or three or five or one company's control it should be air is free water is free so mother earth is giving us so many opportunities why don't you we give the same opportunity to our brothers and sisters irrespective of caste creed religion color so our objective over here is to give the technology in the hands of the poor and not only the technology also give them knowledge to create the technology and then give them knowledge to use the local material to create the ingredient for the technology and then they become the owner of the technology and they scale it up further so this is the another difference most important difference is that as a social entrepreneur as you know we are a social entrepreneur they are also creating different partnership module with different community group to take the technology at different level co-creation different level and most important advocacy at different level and scaling up not only in india but also across the globe right now the basic technology what is that okay Technology bhongru is a very very simple process. Bhongru access in any plot of land. If there is an op chances of inundation, what is the amount of inundation? That is what is the water volume is coming from, which angle? What is the quality? What is the impurities? How many days? What is the slope and control, etc. etc. That's different variables for that thing. Based upon that assessment, we understand how much water we can store, and then we go to the geophysical assessment of the soil to identify below the soil up to a depth of about 300 meter. What are the different locations? What are the different zones where we can store the excess runoff water? It, we are not recharging only. We are actually storing in the empty places, which was earlier the water table, maybe or maybe the vacant places, maybe the cavities zone, or maybe the creating of different lenses. So those storage of water are actually taking the excess water from the above the ground, taking it under the ground and storing it over there, which can be used based upon the water quantum and the subsoil aquifer, so that water what is excess in the sum in the time of monsoon. Can be stored back and given back in the time of summer, right? Without any extra cost. Yes. So when you come to a, a community um, and you do these analysis and you uh, work out, you know, what's possible and look at the, the water the flows and and so forth. How long does that take, and and how big an area can you actually assess in one assessment? Fantastic. So. We earlier we were taking quite a long time to do whole process for Bhungru over a period of time, support from different knowledge partners like Harvard, Stanford, as well as IITs and Government of India, Department of Science and Technology. We are every day evolving. So now doing the Bhungru in a single place doesn't take more than four days. Actually, doesn't take more than two days. We can complete everything in two days. Earlier it was taking two months right. per one. Wow. Number two, number two. Not only that, we earlier we are importing everything or, ex or bringing everything from outside to do the technology. Now that is also not needed. We can do fungru based upon local material, so overall maintenance cost is zero. Number three, earlier we are bringing all the expertise from outside to do the fungru, all the assessment processes. Now we have 
gone one step further we are giving the whole knowledge to the community so that they can do the assessment so knowledge building as well as knowledge proliferation as well as knowledge expansion takes place at the grassroots the benefit is that not only we are doing bhungru everybody can do the bhungru and that is the basic principle of sarvodaya mahatma gandhi where he says serving the last person in the queue in the best possible way and if we can do this this is ensuring the best life form for every living beings and that is sarvodaya right that's very inspiring uh sounds a fantastic development that you had in the process to to get it down to, and and as you say to to put this in the hands of the local communities so and how many people in a community can uh, this the the, the bungru support in the sense that you know a, a, an assessment would include uh, what kind of physical region or 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 support how many houses or a village that kind of thing perfect so one bhungru can be built on one acre 2 acre 3 acre 4 acre that means we have made bhungru as scalable and modulable so every bhungru is divided in a smaller module so it can be immediately scaled anywhere and everywhere question number 1 answer number 1 question number 2 how many people can take benefit and how they can take benefit there are different layers of people's involvement in bhungru starting from the reki assessment that is first layer of assessment where uh, how much water can be collected and then geophysical which is underground soil strata assessment then bhungru designing then bhungru drilling then bhungru erection and handing over in every stage earlier we are doing by ourselves now it is totally democratized so everybody can join in and can do it with a limited skill so from day 1 till the day 2 the number of activities the series of activities everywhere all local community can be involved quantifying the number as you asked that depends upon how many bhungrus we like to cover but minimum or minimum case we can say one bhungru can actually generate 80 to 100 mandates in the time of erection and the whole process post erection and post execution every bhungru caters 22 cars of land every year without any further cost which can ensure at least 10 farming families lifelong food security and lifelong livelihood that means in indian context nearly 60 people to 70 people's benefit right right and how 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 well installed is it at the moment what's the scale of your activity paul okay we took 17 years to develop this technology which is a quite long time all our life is devoted to this thing we failed 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 and learned 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 so in that process now more than 3500 units are on the ground and they are working not only in in we started from a gujarat state as i told you earlier but not only in gujarat we are now in 11 states in india we are expanding very fast we are creating partnership everywhere the local partners are doing by themselves we don't have any problem in that thing we are giving the technology to them not only in india we are also outside india southeast asia as well as in africa where we are creating partnership with the universities local organization international organization international donors international non government organization everywhere we are enabling them to do it so at today's point of view there are 3500 3500 units on the ground and more than 100000 farmers are taking benefit of it wow 
that's something a hundred thousand you you you've mentioned it took you a long time and this is uh very interesting the uh work you put into uh focus the process and learn as much as you can and keep on uh, innovating as you said can you talk a little bit about that when you first set out and when you first had this idea and your first model i guess of of Bungru and and what inspired you or how did you think about that because clearly uh this is quite some commitment to innovation that you've had <sighs> okay 17 years quite a long time uh uh if you know there was a severe earthquake in gujarat and there are a good number of people uh, could not see the next day's light so during that time, it was the 26th January, which is a severe cold winter day. When I was in the field and I was walking the area where there was an earthquake stop, I saw the plight of the people and they had to sleep on the road because all the buildings were crashed. And then immediately after that, when summer came, there was not a single drop of water anywhere because earthquake Emotion is over. People are not concerned about the earthquake now. People become other things, etc., etc., etc. So people, the devastated community was at the mercy of God. Nobody was supporting them. That time I saw a small girl of four years old was put inside the soil by digging the bed of the, of the, of the, of the, of the pond such that she can go inside and she can take the dark water below the pond, which is the only source of drinking water for the whole family. I went there and saw the water. It was totally dark water and totally saline. So first question to my mind was, if there is a saline water, that means at this depth, up to 20 feet or 30 feet depth below the ground, because it is a pond, pond depth is nearly 20 feet, 22 feet, and then there is another 3 feet or 25 feet depth, there is a saline water. And then the same place in monsoon or with any days, it is totally inundated because there is no place you can move around. So that water doesn't go anywhere. So there is a saline water below the ground and there is a rain water above the ground. So that was initial point I found that there is an opportunity if I can take this non-saline rainwater towards down and float it on the saline water as a lens formation, then we can do two solutions. One, in the monsoon people are sick and in winter and summer when there is no water supply anywhere, this filtered water can be used for any domestic purposes, not for drinking, at least for domestic purposes. And that was the first initiation point of working for creating a model of excess rainwater which is inundating your plot of land to take it underground and store it at a place where you can save that water, get it back. It may be saline zone, it may be non-saline zone. Over a period of time, we created 17 designs. Starting point was a salinity problem and how to challenge that thing. And gradually created the different storage solutions. Right. And what, what, had you any experience as an entrepreneur? And did you, what were your thoughts on coming up with better solutions? Because it's challenging, I think, in social contexts to, 
to continuously innovate in a sense because it can be it's not it's not quite the same in a commercial organization and you mentioned a key point there which is about the failure and you know clearly if you fail in a social when you're solving a social problem and so forth there are you know hugely uh, bigger consequences than if you know a, a commercial product fails so can you talk a little bit about your attitude to innovation and your your how you've approached that i think uh, failure is very important uh, whether it's social entrepreneur or the commercial entrepreneur failure is very very important I mean, we have made it a policy in my our organization that fail at least you fail no problem but the failure should be once or the second time the repetition of the failure that is the point number one we have made it a organization principle number two uh, i am very fortunate i am i am blessed i should say because i worked with a community especially the below poverty line women farmer and majority of them are widow so all through their life they have only seen failures they haven't success is a very very uh, surprising word for them they never heard the word success so when i failed they were very supportive to me they told no problem we failed you fail no problem we are <laughs> in the same boat <laughs> so that support was amazing because they are like my mom and aged like mom and they are castigated from the societies they are out they are lower caste they are widow they are Um, they're divorcee and nobody takes care of them nobody respect them nobody calls them so when you walk with them and when they found your words trustworthy and you are t- diligently trying something and you are failing they are always with you because they tell um, they always tell me that beta my son whenever the child starts walking he falls or she falls otherwise he cannot walk you start walking you fell down no problem you like walk again that was the principle number 2 principle number 3 again i am blessed i should say each failure time i got some people who can who go, guided me very strategically in that sense professional gupta professor i sudarshan ayanga vice chancellor uh, gandhi thought leader advisor to president of india they came forwarded they this they came they forward and saw our work and they they were supportive they everywhere your failure you take the failure to the right audience explain them and ask their suggestion they give some suggestion maybe right maybe wrong but there is no harm in trying so i tried and failed i tried and failed but learning came forward every time and that manifestation is the 17 designs people trust or the names one is to four model commune model gram swaraj model and antadaya model mohammed yunus the model mohammed yunus created one is to four i just took the same learning he shared the loan burden among five farmers five women farmers when one woman farmer is taking loan we reversed it totally for oh, each vungru is the ownership of five women farmers so they are the joint owner of a technology we have we have actually created a new model where each vungru is jointly owned by the five poor backward caste below poverty line women majority of them the uh, widow or divorcee so this is the first time in the world you, one case you can see where knowledge ownership is given to the women through a technology transfer and not only that they are not only the owner of the technology they know the technology they know the operation and they now know the further innovating of it so this incremental innovation process 
can only take place when you give the ownership and that ownership is facilitated with the dignity of labor and dignity of knowledge and dignity of human being. Right. That's fascinating. And, and you do sometimes hear people say that if something is given for free, that it's not valued. And, and some people argue in, in particular cases that charging small sums of money helps to um, people to value what they're getting and is uh, also provides incentives, I guess, for salespeople and just helps to dist distribute the, the product or service and so forth. Can you talk a little bit about that? I totally agree. Uh, if you, if uh, it's not only me, even my women farmers also totally agree that even they're ultra poor, they tell if you give everything free, your hands is upper. In Gujarati, we call it hat uchache. That means you are blessed, your hands are upper than on my head. So you are, you, I am below than you. So that means my dignity is lower. So taking everything free is actually non-dignified for them. Now this is very important. I am talking to those women farmers whose whose annual income is not even one eighty one dollar for the family income. They are also saying no, nothing should be given free. We should contribute as per our capacity. I agree with that thing because they agree on that thing. Now question is that how to contribute, how to monetize, how to incentivize. Those are different models has to be thought of. In our case, they came up with a simple idea. Number one, we'll make the food for the labor. That is the only thing we can afford. And that is the thing is big thing for them. It's a very small, a small thing for other corporate people because one day food is not even not even 10 cents for them. But for our omen farmer, 10 cents is a big, 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 big thing. They contributed their labor, their their, their, their food quantity at their home and prepare that thing for the village laborers. That's the contribution number one. Contribution number two, they came forward. They contribute the time to work as a labor, which is a very important. Some of the women were, 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 were not good health. Still, they told, no, it is our work. We should contribute as per whatever is our asset. Our asset is our labor. So they contributed labor. Point number three, they contributed to take the knowledge ahead, which is a very, very important. It shows they not only believe in the technology, they own the technology, they also believe they should help others to take it ahead. So these three contributions came forward in the initial stage. Current stage, the progress they have made, the lady who was earning $181 for the whole year, she is now earning $722 per three months. So now she can contribute, she is contributing, they're contributing together to take care of other village women, to get the land free from the indebtedness and then put the money forward to do the bhongru and sharing the water and then further making it accessible to other farmers. Right. Now, when you first went into a community and you first presented this idea, how do people respond and, and what have you learned about communicating and sharing the uh, knowledge and insights and, and what this the Bungru does and, and, and helping to distribute it? They told me I'm a mad. They <laughs> told I am a totally mad guy. I have lost my brain. I have lost everything in my life. My wife might have divorced me. I don't have anyone in the family who can cure my madness. That was the fast statement, fast, fast. Nobody trusted me that that can happen. This they told it's a miracle. We're talking something which is absolutely impossible, number one. 
Number two, as in India, all the agriculture process is controlled by the male members. So with my knowledge, I went to male first. I'm very honest to tell you, I'm not hiding anything to you. And I found that all the male members are always trying to control the knowledge. They are not opening up with the knowledge. They're not going to share the knowledge. So the, over time, the whole process will be self-defeated. We won't be able to reach what we are looking for. So then how to go ahead? We found that a group of women farmers who are absolutely outcasted from the society who are below poverty line and nobody cares for them and their lands are always small land only, not even the one hectare, less than one hectare and their land is invariably waterlogged. So they can be the right, right client for us. So when you went to them, they told again on my face, actually slapped verbally on my face, I am a mad. They told they have lost everything in their life. They don't have anything to support upon. So if I like to do anything like them, let this gang, this madman do. What is the big deal? And that is the initiation point. And once one lady saw the result, then there was a queue on the door and she was going everywhere to talk. This is a miracle. This is a miracle. This is a miracle. Then nothing to look back. Right. That's very interesting. So over this period of time, you've been working with the women, as you say, how long did it take for these improvements and these insights? And Can you talk a little bit about communication, how you've approached it? We talked a little bit about uh, how farmers have received initially your ideas. And can you just talk about that whole communication process? Okay. In our program, especially for the ultra poor farmers, smallholders, communication is a very important factor. It had different stages. Starting from the communication has to be done in verbal or visual because our community cannot read and write. They never went to school, number one. But it is not the communication per se. It is the messages, what are the messages are going to them, how far it is trustworthy, how far it is internalizable, how far that is propagatable or how can they can take it forward. There are different stages and we have to win at each stage with a full support from them. So that was priority number two from our side. Priority number three, we found every communication has to be substantiated with action. So instead of talking or preparing booklet or, or material, communication material, we always tried hands-on experience through visual appearance of the item and the product and the process and technology. So we formed the OMEN members, self-help group, that is savings group, and each of the savings group members was emphasized about each part of the technology. And group of best among these leaders were brought forward and they give some training on the technology such that they can at least internalize the initial process. Then we created a standard operating protocols of operation, which was clarified to them step 
by step by step. Here we could not explain them through written and writing thing. So what we did, we explained them through cooking knowledge. They have a cooking knowledge. They are all cook at the home. So whatever the cooking skill they have, we utilize that to explain our technology to them. This was a huge hit because cooking is a typical omen domain, not a single man goes over there, at least in the rural India practical society. So we utilize the concept of the while floating on water, the same concept we explained them the way non-saline water floats upon the saline water. Same way water can be stored into the, the layer. Like we also give them example of milk soaked inside the parched rice. So you cannot see the milk because it's soaked in the parched rice. Similarly, the soil strata sucked the soak the water when it's put inside. So these are the visual example was very, very useful for the omen farmers. That was stage number one, stage number two. But then we have to facilitate them to take our communication and pitch to their target audience in the right language. For that, we have to do series of training program, explain them how they can explain what are the specific thing do. In that process, earlier we are doing whole package or whole technology in one go. We found our women member cannot remember all these things. So then we divided the technology into divisible formula as I told you modules and we started to give them module-wise expansion model, module-wise communication packages, and then they took it forward, which is very easily acceptable by other community. Okay, how long does it take to for somebody to... Huge, 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 huge. Actually, it is not the time alone. It is the skill and not and, and, and the patience. And, 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 and you have to have to be sensitized to the local culture and also be sensitized to their gender perspective. Some word, some language, some perspective should be confirmed that it is following the gender norms. And then we have to remodule our language, remodule our body language, remodule our visual appearance of the same package what we did earlier. So there was a changing process to back and forth, back and forth. Altogether, it took nearly four years. Right. So it took four years to do what? It took four years to create the whole SOP to get synchronized with the Omen members and they took it ahead. I'm with you then. I'm with you. I'm with you. And so you, you mentioned there's 100,000 farmers, I think, that are benefiting, have benefited from this. And uh, th these are the people that have taken it forward. No, there are different layers of taking it forward. I haven't explained it to you. We have different partnership model, different client model, different delivery model, different costing models. We have created all this over a period of time. Here, when I'm talking of 100,000 farmers, they are basically farmer and farming families member who are directly or indirectly part of the Bhongru process and taken benefit of it. Yes. But they are not necessarily taking it ahead, but they took benefit of it. Yes. Some of them are taking it ahead, not everyone. Yes, I'm with you. I'm with you. And how does it work financially, Paul? Fantastic. Initially, we felt we did have money. So my wife, uh, she trusted me at least till, till that she trusts. It's a very surprising thing. And she put all the money. Uh, and she's, a, she's a now part of the, I mean, she's the financial backbone of the whole company. She always pays money to us, whatever the failures we do. 
uh, I'm fortunate in that part. So initially, whatever the savings we had, my wife had and we had, we deported, put that money. But after that, we don't need to look back because we got series of global awards starting from World Bank Development Marketplace to currently all the more or less all uh, Asia and Asia Pacific hours we have won. So those money came to us to survive ourselves. And now we are also making quite a good profit because we have a new client group, non-farmer. Non From there we make profit and that and income cross-socialize our farmers. That is our level, economics level. Coming back to the farmer level, it's a hoopla, hula success for them, huge success for them. From Bhungru erection and starting of operation doesn't have any gestation gap. From day one, it starts operating. It pays back within two and a half years. And the income guarantee it creates is more than 100 times of the expenditure it creates. So there are different models of Bhungru have created now, as I was telling you, from a minimum cost model to maximum cost model. So everyone is successfully pays back within a two and a half years. Right. How does that business model work, Paul? You you mentioned that they they get they get paid back. How does it work? Okay. So there are different layers of business model. For Nairida services, we have a clear cut business model. For the rich farmer and the corporate and the government, we charge them higher than the operational cost and the erection cost and our knowledge cost. Yes. So we make a profit, substantial profit from that thing. Yes. And Whatever the substantial profit we make from this client group that allows allows us to give it totally free for the farmer who are poor. Right. So at the Ultra very poor. so the very poorest don't pay at all. They contribute. No, they maybe have you, to pay through labor. Yes, as they they contribute as you said in kind through food and labor and so forth. And you've got now we have a new model. Now we have a new model. They also have to collect the local level material and organize from the local place. In villages, sand is plenty. So they have to carry the sand and bring it over there. That is the cost. Otherwise, we have to pay more than hundred dollar. That is set. So that is a small small contribution, makes a huge amount actually over a period of time. Right. And you've got different tiers, as it were. You've got the poorest. You've got people maybe of a little bit more resources. And would they be expected to pay a little bit more? Absolutely. So we have different category. I'll tell you the category number one. Category number poorest poor is the omen farmer, who are the below poverty line omen farmer. For them, they have to give only the labor. That's it. We don't charge any design cost. We don't charge any erection cost. We don't charge any reiki cost. We don't charge any geophysical cost. testing cost. We don't charge any material cost. We don't charge our time. We don't charge our, 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 our travel time. Even we don't charge our government tax. All on our head. Right. Totally our head. But for the people who are the ultra rich, for them, we charge 10 to 15 times. Honestly speaking, sometimes we charge 10 times. And that allows us to go back or doing our benefit service. Right. When did you start this more profitable niche uh, segment? And was that something at the back of your mind for uh, some time? This question of getting a business model and being able to you know, cross subsidize is clearly an ideal scenario for a lot of social entrepreneurs, but a tricky one to pull off as well. Yeah, um, I was not very confident because my background is a nonprofit sector. For 20 years, I'm in the nonprofit sector I was. So I was not able to convince myself I can do it. But yes, Ashoka supported me a lot. And then uh, my wife, she's a Fulbright scholar from USA and also a Commonwealth scholar from India and also a Rockefeller scholar, lead scholar and I am Amdabad scholar. 
she picked it up very strategically she is and she has a 20 years of experience in the government senior government cadre she become the she took over the whole challenge of making it is a business model and successful business model so we divided the whole work between both of us i look after the whole execution model whole technology whole community organization he looks after the all financial model all communication partnership like model yes after her coming to the picture when i was i was i was i was toying with some how to make his business plan business model ashoka helped us accenture helped us she streamlined it into different verticals different partnership and different pricing model and then now we have gone one step further we have further subdivided it into different modules for different target groups and each module we have outsourced have instead of putting all the cost on our head we have outsourced the cost on different heads and different people have joined into the whole movement so the cost of delivery become reduced and scale of delivery has been dramatically increased it's it's very interesting and i know it's challenging to have profit and non profit together uh, sometimes, can you talk about what the, some of the challenges were in building uh, this uh, paid-for business model? Yeah, uh, it was very very difficult when we started with the non-profit model. Not a single uh, one was trusting us because we are. I am basically background from non-profit model. Nobody trusted our for-profit model. Uh, they told I am just trying to. Full, full myself, etc., etc., etc. But over a period of time, we found if we like to work in the for-profit domain, then we are transparent. And uh, in case of India, our government system uh, ab abiding and government system uh, norms following is much more clear. Number one. Number two, we found different client group prefers non for profit agencies because they are they are structured as well as they are easier for them to deal with especially the corporate and the and the and the rich client group but the the ultra poor farmer and the and the and the and the, and the women farmer who are really at loss they don't have any money for them dealing with corporate group is difficult so what we are doing now we are creating a two different segment one segment is specifically for Narita Service Private Limited, which will be totally, which is totally working on the Vumru execution and expansion and profits, uh, profit earning and process rises. And we are creating a foundation where we are donating the subsidized amount where the scaling or capacity building of the omen will take place such that they can replace us over a period of time. Our role will be capacity building and knowledge building rather than execution of the Vumru. Right. It sounds uh, uh, pretty challenging. <laughs> yes. Very difficult. Very, very difficult. Yes. But we are grateful. We've got some good people who are helping us in that direction. Yes. No, it's, it's, uh, it sounds like it's a great development and uh, becoming sustainable as an organization. Can you talk a little bit about raising funds initially and the grants that you got and any lessons and insights about how to do that? Um, initially, we put our own money, uh, whatever the savings we had and whatever the uh, award money we have. So that was the step number one. But now we, we are over a period of time, we are earning through service fees. Like I was telling you, the clients who like average farmer, rich farmer, contract farming, corporate uh, and government where we are getting a uh, premium or I could say we are making a profit. 
and that profit is quite a substantial this year we have, we have made a substantial profit and now the last one and a half year there are a good number of investors are coming to us to offer us money but our board of advisors are saying that at is we are in an initial stage till now even though we are quite a big impact but uh, financial level we are not so lucrative for uh, to uh, for other investors lucrative for them but not lucrative from our perspective that we don't like to give much share of our stake so they our investors are telling that let keep us holding for another one and a half year where our market value market position will be much more stronger then we can we can we can we can swap our stake and uh, mobilize a good amount of funding coming coming to the funding part already we 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 have been offered by uh, indian venture indian venture capitalists as well as the impact uh, investors but uh, we are not taking this money at this point of time because we don't need because we have sufficient money in our hand with the contract we have already so we don't need to ex exaggerate the amount of um, in in a capital flow but yes after one and a half year when the team will be more busy or will be increasing the size of the team as well as as we are already in three countries will be another seven countries in the next two years so then we will be surely needing some sort of impact investment yes yes that's a, a, a very exciting um and it's very wonderful that you're able to fund yourself um, at the moment and that's a really important step I think isn't it can you talk a little bit about the support you've had along the way uh, you talked about Ashoka I know you've had various awards uh, from various organizations and supports for social entrepreneurs how they came about and maybe lessons for other social entrepreneurs because it seems that this is a really crucial element in in, in supporting the, the you know, success it's a tough job and uh, social entrepreneurs need help in various ways, but this the, these networks have are invaluable. Yeah, um, uh, I, I if you if if I can say, share with you one very important information uh, in 2000, 2007 when I um, we got the World Bank Development Marketplace award in India, it was a very small money uh, in that sense. If the World Bank world is a very small money for us, it's a huge money. However, so. The important part is not the money. Okay, the money was very important part for us or for the farmers when you're exe executing the bhumru and scaling it up from proof of concept, idea to proof of concept to scaling. But the people who visited us, the people who continuously uh, kept on guiding us, that was immensely helpful. That time we were zero. We didn't know anything about anything about social entrepreneurship, anything, etc., etc., etc. They first guided us: what are the different models we can create, what are the different partnership we can create, what are the different structure we can create, what should be the differential pricing, etc., etc., etc. 2007 they guided us. We could not do it till 2012. Five years took us to understand what they told in 2000. I was so full. I was the biggest fool in the world. 2007, what they guided us, that actually went to my brain in 2011 end. So 2012, Narita Services, 2011, Narita Services was born. And then Ashoka, when Ashoka selected us as a globalizer, the best innovation across the globe, then they deputed the best of the best brains across the globe to structure our business plan. Like action, sure people, etc., etc., etc. Again, again, I'm telling you, I was failed because I am a non-profit guy. I was not able to understand the profitability concept of our idea. I was always thinking of the 
of doing something, doing something, but not to monetize the work. Then our IIM Ahmedabad, Indian Institute of Management Ahmedabad, Harvard and Stanford got selection. That helped us to restructure our vision. And that restructuring, we found that doing services and earning money is not bad. First thing. Second, doing services, earning money can also guarantee benefit of the environment and society and they are happy with that thing. That is point number two. Point number three, which is the most important part of us, in, important part of for us is that in doing all this activity, we are not diverting from our basic vision of Antadaya, that is serving the last person in the queue in the best possible way. So when we found that all our tractions are actually coming to a point where we are not diluting our objective, we are, we are, we are consistently working and it is not bad of earning money with the services to the poor. Only questioning is that how much should be earned, at what level should be earned and what pinch it is creating to the poor that has to be collectively uh, collected properly, understood properly and done properly through empathy. Once we can do it, then it can surely take off. Fantastic. Uh, uh, great thinking, uh, Paul. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the your 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 journey uh, finally? Because you, you sound like you're a persistent person. You just keep going. And as you said, you know, <laughs> you keep getting up again. You, you, these failures, which in a sense aren't failures at all, are they? They're just different experiments, different ways of trying things to see what works and doesn't work. And um, what advice would you have for other social entrepreneurs on their journey? <laughs> I'm not a persistent person. You should meet my wife. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first thing first is that have a very nice wife. <laughs> first <laughs> advice. Who <laughs> can okay, sponsor you for 20 years. <laughs> Okay, light, lighter side aside. Okay, uh, answer number one. Uh, yes, I, I, I am from a very lower middle class family in West Bengal part of India, eastern part of India. And I struggled a lot, uh, but I was not poor, honestly speaking, my middle class family member. But Bengal, I saw the flood. When I came for higher studies in Gujarat, I became one of the topper in, in India. Came for higher studies in Gujarat, I found the deadly drought in Gujarat, which was not available in Bengal. So these two dramatically opposite situations hurt me at the core of my heart. And we, I, I thought I should do something. And that was the flashing point in the earthquake. That is one part of the story. Second part of the story is that I always got developed through different characters around me. My mom, my eldest sister, and, and and there are so many women who helped me to sensitize myself about the society as well as the betterment of the poor. And here, the best learning we came to my me is that came to me is the mother earth. In India, we called earth as a mother. So that is the feeling which propelled me to do something positive. So that is the another propelling factor where continuously I do something to develop, not for me, not for organization, not for poor alone, but also Mother Earth in totality. 
So if we can do in totality, everybody is going to take benefit of it or going to get benefit of it. It can be financial, ecological, environmental, anything, social, anything. That is a point number four. Point number five, but I, what I strongly believe is that if we seriously struggle honestly from our core of heart, if I am a Christian, I am a Muslim, I am, I am Islam, I am a Hindu, it doesn't matter. God, if whatever, it may be superpower or super capacity, I don't know, whatever the feelings are, uh, Atma, soul, etc., etc., they all come together to support you. And that is why I told you I am blessed. Every time, whenever I failed, I got some support from some other places. I never thought it can come and it came forward and they took me out from the whole shamble and they, that is a new light of, at the end of the tunnel. It took me forward over there. This is the way my character has been developed, my learning has been developed and I thought or I got more trust on human being because they are the form of God. We feel that way. Thank you for sharing your your uh, personal experiences of what keep you going and what's helped you on your journey. So what's your vision, Paul, now for the next few years? My vision is very simple and everybody calls me I'm a mad in that vision. My vision is any woman Anywhere in the world, of any color, any religion, any complex, any caste, if she is having problem in the food security, she will have the food on her plate and her problem of water for that food will be solved by us. And that is Bungro. Simple. That's a great vision, Paul. And the world is built with people who've got what some people would say are unrealistic or ideas that are impossible but uh, i wish you the best and success <laughs> and you're continuing to do the impossible paul and thank you so much for sharing your vision and your your insights and the journey long journey you've had uh to make your business a success thank you it was a pleasure thank you for listening to the inspiring social entrepreneur podcast i hope you found this interview inspiring Please make sure to visit www.inspiringsocialentrepreneurs.com and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any future podcasts. SSIR has been serving global leaders of social change for almost 15 years. Be it quarterly magazine, online articles, podcasts, videos, webinars and conferences. At its heart is a vision that collaboration between non-profit, business and government sectors is key solving growing environmental, social and economic justice issues. Find out more at ssir.org.